0: Hello, and welcome to Inside the Artist Studio. My name is Sean Davis-Newton, here with the Cups and Cakes Network. And uh, I'm really excited to share with y'all a conversation that I had with Christo Graham from Lansdowne, Ontario. Uh, I, I, found, uh, I found his record, which is called Turnin'. came out last November, uh, thanks to a tweet from Cups and Cakes favorite Doug Hoyer. So uh, thanks for turning me on to this one, Doug. Uh, it's, it's an amazing record. It was recorded on a, on a four track tape recorder that uh, Christo inherited from his grandmother, and he learned to use the tape recorder as he made the record. And uh, it, it just, uh, the songwriting is great, it feels timeless, the whole vibe of the whole record is really, really wonderful. So I can't recommend it highly enough, and uh, I'm really happy I got the chance to talk to him. Uh, we talk about uh, his work being an, uh, an audio-only extra on films in Toronto. Uh, I talk about his, his Hyundai, which uh, he wrote a song about that is on this record called Little Hyundai. And uh, I talk about growing up in, in musical families. As per usual, there is some uh, foul language in this episode, so listener beware. And, of course, you can head over to the Cups and Cakes Network website at cupsandcakespod.com to browse our audio, video, and written content, including other episodes of this podcast. Again, that website is cups, the letter N, cakespod.com.
1: Here's Christo Graham. Christo Graham is my name. How do you want me to introduce myself? Yes. Hi, my name's Christo Graham. <laughs> Perfect. Well,
0: uh, welcome to Inside the Artist Studio, really happy to uh, have you on, so uh, just to yeah, run through the format here real quick, we're going to do some rapid fire stuff, and then we'll go into uh, some more standard interview type shit, talk about uh, the record you put out in November, which is called Turning, and then uh, we'll play a track off that record uh, right at the end of the show. So, uh, without further ado, let's uh, hop into the rapid fire. Right on. Excellent. So uh to your coffee. <laughs> coffee. Yeah, do you uh is I, <laughs> I like always ask. I feel like this is in every single episode of this show, but <laughs> uh is it a
1: caffeine thing? Is it I started drinking coffee when I worked at a coffee shop in high school. Oh, okay. And and that was pretty early. I I I think I was 14 or 15 and it was like coffee every day. And I like needed it. And I don't, I guess that was probably a caffeine thing, but my dad was always a big coffee drinker, black coffee, like several, several in the morning and then maybe one in the afternoon and then one right before bed which was amazing. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, that's... I can't... I, st- I still can't do that. He'll have a coffee at, like, 10 p.m. and then go to bed, no problem. Yeah, that's crazy to me. Just, like, I realized at a certain point in my
0: life that I, like, shouldn't drink caffeine if it's, like, 2 <laughs> or 3 p.m., because I'll just be, like, yeah. wide awake at the end of the day. Yeah, but, uh... Yeah. Do you have a
1: f- favorite baked good? Oh, wow. I, I, uh i like I like most baked goods. I love the first thing that comes to mind is uh, for some reason, maybe just because I want this right now, is lemon meringue pie, which is oh yeah, kind of random, but lemon meringue pie, that would be really nice to have one of those right now. <laughs> uh, but I also just like I like cake and cookies and and squares. Of all kinds, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, at a like a church bake sale, I'm like, I'm getting some cash out of the bank that day. <laughs> uh, do you prefer radio or podcasts? I I like to listen to both on occasion. Um, usually, podcasts in the car, and then like. Classical or jazz radio sometimes at home. Okay. Wh- where? In the kitchen. Where are you right now, out of curiosity? I, I know Ontario, I'm at, but. I- I'm in Ontario. I'm in a, a small village called Lansdowne, Ontario, which is uh, is between Brockville and Kingston on the 401. Okay. Uh, and uh, I'm in my home uh, on uh, on a hill which is a a home under construction right now. Uh, We're doing some renovation. My wife and I just moved here in uh, November, ended November, and we've been doing lots of work on it. So uh, behind me is a big mess of all of our belongings uh, and upstairs is completely, uh, uh, well, has been completely gutted and and re-insulated and uh, most of it's re-drywalled. So it's a complete renovation zone upstairs right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite uh, pit stop when you're uh, out on tour? Uh, I f- I think I've been to just about every en route between uh, between Kingston or between Brockville and Toronto several times. <laughs> but any any of them that have an A and W is a that's a like you know. Wait till till one comes with an a and W. I I think it's the Trenton one has an A&W. We get a and a lot as an answer, and I just kind of... It's s- so good. It's,
0: like, the least shitty fast food, I think. Like, it, it feels the least bad in your body. Um, <laughs> and it's Canadian, too. Yeah, I didn't realize that until kind of recently, that they're all, like, Canadian-owned. Or like yeah. at
1: least, yeah, the ones in Canada. Well, I think... I, d- I don't... Th- I mean... I know my relatives in the states don't I know like they're excited when they come here and to get an A&W so I don't know how how many there are in the states but I think the original Allen and Wright or I think that's the I think that was the names that started it I
0: think so yeah I think
1: it was in I think it was in uh, Canada somewhere Oh I didn't know that
0: There's uh this <laughs> I have a weird fascination with kind of like defunct Canadian fast food chains uh but there was both a chain that was started in Saskatchewan called Dairy Queen that is not Dairy Queen. It's just there were a bunch of Dairy Queens in Saskatchewan. And same in Alberta. Uh, There were a bunch of Burger Kings that aren't Burger King, but they're allowed to continue operating here because they are
1: older, I think. (laughs) I guess... I guess it's a like a pretty good name for a burger joint <laughs> or an ice cream joint. Like I guess I guess it's pretty obvious, which is what makes it so good. I guess like if you've got the name Dairy Queen, you know you're you're good. Yeah, you're golden. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's the uh, what's the first car you ever had? Uh, it was a uh, 2006 Hyundai Elantra. Okay. What uh, which is which is what I wrote the song "Little Hyundai"
0: uh, about. I was going to ask. Yeah, is, is it still mm-hmm. uh, is it still alive and kicking or? Uh,
1: it's it's not. It is uh, it is probably a, a ball of steel right now. <laughs> unfortunately, um, we drove that till I, I like to say till the wheels fell off, but it was only almost until the the right front wheel fell <laughs> off um we were driving it was actually just probably a year ago right at the beginning of lockdown in Toronto we were living in Toronto and uh we would drive we were lucky enough to have a car in the city and we would drive uh just like 20 minutes outside of the city just to get to some nature right just like just get to like a field like a farmer's field somewhere (laughs) just to like run until the farmer ran after us uh so we would go out of the city and just like walk around in like either a park that was wasn't as populated as toronto and then just drive back we'd like go for an afternoon yeah and we went uh we we drove north on the um 404 i guess and then started to get this terrible noise in the in the car and pulled over and we took it to the closest shop and they were like yeah you, you uh it's a good thing you didn't keep driving cuz the bearings on the right wheel were just completely rotted out and the wheel would have fallen off if we'd <laughs> driven anymore. so
0: yeah lucky
1: <laughs> lucky very lucky and we'd just gone to Nashville and back like a week before or a couple weeks oh, before damn. so I'm I'm really glad that it it didn't happen on that trip yeah yeah uh, do you prefer uh, video
0: games, board games, or sports? Board games, I'm gonna say. Okay, do you have like what are what are like your go-to games?
1: Um, really like uh, there's a newer one that's very popular right now called Carcassonne. Oh yeah, yeah, which is uh, uh, an actual fortified city in Europe, but uh, it that's a really fun one. Um doesn't I guess it doesn't really count as a board game, but Farkle is a really good go to. It's just a dice game. Oh okay, yeah, I've heard of it. But play that play that all the time. Yeah. Have you uh have you been
0: able to uh I, I know I guess I am like a big board game guy and there's just uh been a real drought in terms of being able to do that particular uh hobby. Have you like found ways to keep that up or are you
1: just kinda like waiting? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm I'm lucky enough to have uh, a uh, a roommate here to that at least there's one other person to to play with. Right, but there's it's definitely been like we're we're lacking the games where it's like oh you, you need you need four people. Oh no, <laughs> what are we gonna do? Um, but also I mean I, I've when we moved to Lansdowne uh, in May we moved a lot closer to my parents and and my siblings. So we were able to sort of get in, in a smaller bubble, a bigger small bubble. Gotcha. Uh, And so we've been able to play uh, clue and uh, what else? A few other games that, that uh, need more players. So I've been very lucky. Uh, What's the weirdest job you've ever had? (sighs) The weirdest job I've ever had. Um, well, currently actually and I don't I don't necessarily think of this as as weird but I when I tell people they think it's kind of weird but i I do this I, uh, I I do this thing from time to time called loop grouping which is in the movie industry that's a term that they use to basically describe background voices for movies and TV shows right so uh, so I'm uh, this is a job I still do sometimes, sometimes from home and sometimes from a studio in Toronto. And I'll go into a studio and there'll be a TV show or a movie that has uh, like a a scene in a restaurant, for example, and they've had a bunch of extras in the background uh, that can't talk when they're filming the movie, obviously. Right. But in the post-production phase of the movie, they need sort of these voices that they can then turn down to like one. Right on the volume just to make the scene feel natural. So they'll call me into a studio and, and three or four others and we'll step up to the microphone and just have the most boring conversation you could possibly imagine. (laughs) Like, hi, Charlie, how are the kids? Oh yeah, good. No, nice to see you. Yeah. Did, Did you see the game on Tuesday? You know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and then you're there for sometimes half an hour, sometimes like six hours. Yeah. Depending on on what the movie is, sometimes it's a horror movie and you need to do like screams or something. <laughs> I've done some zombie noises that they need. I've done lots of stuff, so it it does get quite weird. Yeah, doing I doing that.
0: I honestly would have thought that it that that kind of thing would have been similar to like a laugh track, where it's not like they,
1: you know, hire a group of people to laugh every time they need it.
0: You, you know what I mean? <laughs>
1: Uh yeah, some of it is canned like pre-recorded that they just take from a library. Yeah. But then some stuff is so specific whether it be like how many people are there in the room. Right. That that the library that they would need to take from is so has to be so specific and it just wouldn't always fit necessarily. So. Okay. Some some people some productions do get uh just pull from a library, but then sometimes Well, sometimes they also need like the other end of a phone call, right? Of a of a character that you don't see. Sometimes you need to be that voice on the other end of the line talking to Liam Neeson or something, and (laughs) and you know there's no actor for that, but you need they need a voice for that. So
0: right, Uh, if you could open for anyone, uh, we'll say bands that still exist or bands that don't. uh, Who would you uh, who would you choose to open for? That's
1: and it has to be a band. Or, it can't be like a magician. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, if you have a magician that you really want to open for, him, <laughs> yeah, let's do it.
1: <laughs> I just I like the idea of like something that's so uh so like doesn't fit or fits in like a weird way. Yeah. I would love to open for a magician. But let's see bands. Hmm. That's a good question, and I've I feel like uh, I f- I feel like the the bands that I have opened for so far have usually been friends of mine, which is really nice. So I feel like I would just keep. O- I know that's kind of maybe a lame answer, but I like I like being able to have a like being able to say that the whoever the band is up next, that they're like friends of mine and and uh I've never really played a, a a big venue too big so if I'm playing like at the Cameron House in in Toronto it's nice that like if if the band that I'm opening for is like sitting right there and I can just yeah. say, okay, now you're up. Well those those <laughs>
0: those types of shows are always kind of the most fun. Like when I think back to the mm-hmm. shows that I've played that I have enjoyed the most, it's like yeah like house shows And everybody is just there to, like, have fun. Uh, And there's something kind of, like, uh, yeah, more enjoyable about that kind of environment, I think.
1: Totally. Either that or if it's, like, Blues Fest in Ottawa, something so, like, opening for Rush or something (laughs) that's, like, so different. Yeah, yeah and just be like and up next it's rush <laughs> get used to it <laughs> yeah so either rush
0: or a friend's band or david Blaine. so um, <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah
1: any of those and that i yeah i could die happy uh, what's your favorite local bite to eat there's a there's a place right across the street from us right now right right uh, right behind me called hilltop coffee stop nice and it is so good the best burgers and they're even cheaper than than a and w or dairy queen yeah yeah and it's so good uh yeah delicious so if you're ever if anyone listening is ever driving through lansdowne don't wait for that en route get off in (laughs) lansdowne and get the hilltop coffee stop
0: how how many people are in lansdowne How, how big is it
1: It's small. There, there are, gosh, I should know the population, but it's very small. It's very, I just went for a walk right before this and I just went around the block and there's a farm that I'd never noticed before on this particular block. That's like a house on the block, like a normal village, but behind it is just cow pasture. Gotcha, yeah. Like a nor like a normal like town, you know, house lined street, but one of the houses, if you look behind it, <laughs> it's just like there's a silo and a barn. Yeah. And like and cow fields that go on forever. So it's that kind of town. There's also a train track that runs right through it. It's so it's it's uh yeah. Very a very nice, very calm, very quiet village.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in a, a town called North Battleford in Saskatchewan. I've been there. Yeah, yeah. So it's North Battleford itself is like 10 or 15,000, but Battleford is yeah, about 4 or 5,000
1: people. It's nice. I like, yeah, I like living in, in a small town.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I could go on about it forever.
1: I, th- I think too, just
0: like I... <laughs> you know, moved out of the Battlefords when I was 17 and came to Edmonton. And, uh, you know, when you leave, it's like, oh yeah, fuck this place. Because it's like, you're 17 and it's tiny (laughs) and you want to like go do something. Um, and the longer, yeah, the longer I've been here, the more it's like, oh yeah, that's, uh, uh, it imparts a real different kind of character on people. I think it's a, a different kind of live in.
1: It's, uh, you mean the city? I mean, they're both but like... Yeah, they're both, I mean, they're very different from each other, for sure. I think they're, everyone's sort of talking about there being this mass exodus from cities right now, and I think, I hope that that's a good thing. I hope that it becomes, I hope it's real, and I hope that people feel like, apart from people just feeling like they can work from home, I feel like, I hope that people feel like they can be comfortable at home. Yeah like live at live at home too in addition to just like oh, I can work from home which some people really like and some people really don't like so I hope that I hope that whatever happens over the next few years if people continue to keep moving out of cities and moving to smaller towns or small towns or into the country that I hope that they like it cuz ultimately I mean if you find a a good community if you've still got friends around you then that's really all you need yeah Uh, if you could, sorry, these aren't so, these aren't so, uh, these aren't so (laughs) fast, uh, it's,
0: it's so hard doing them not to just go off on a tangent about almost all of them. (laughs) It's like, yeah, Yeah. let's talk about the great, like $4 burgers you can get, like at all the tiny little diner type shops. That's, that's like a a whole podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, if you could put together a fantasy, uh, kind of show lineup let's say like any two or three bands, uh, give yourself a ticket to go see that show. Uh, who
1: would you, uh, who'd you put together? Whoa. Awesome. I've been listening to a lot of, uh, a lot of different music right now while I've been renovating upstairs. Um, I'll just like put on album after album. I don't, I, I, Playlists are, are cool, but I tend to, if I'm listening to playlists, I'll tend to like like one song and then just listen to more of that one right. band or person. So just off the top of my head, could this be bands that are no longer as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fantasy lineup right now. And this is this is a big, this is a main stage festival lineup. Yeah. It's going to be big. It's going to be big. This is who I've been listening to upstairs a lot. Okay. I just got to figure out what order that they would be in. Hmm. So David Blaine first. (laughs) So David Blaine first. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. No. Okay. I've been listening to a lot of, uh, bad finger. Yeah. Yeah. I've been listening to a lot of Ben folds, the strokes. Who else have I been listening to? A lot of Waylon Jennings just last couple days. Who else? Who else have I been listening to? Roger Miller. Oh, yeah. Um, So, yeah, probably Roger Miller would start. Be Roger Miller. And then right after Roger Miller finishes his last tune, then probably... Ben Folds is probably the most likely to go up next, but I'd like to see, like, Strokes right after Roger Miller. Yeah. Like, like, run into just like, yeah, strokes, and then like, and then bring it around again to Ben Folds, yeah. And then, have, have you ever seen him play before? I have. I've seen Ben Folds twice.
0: Okay, yeah, I, I saw him once on like the orchestra tours that he did. Yeah,
1: yeah, I saw him with the, yeah, with his ten piece or whatever it was in the horseshoe or something. Uh, okay, cool. Or you saw him with the, with a bigger orchestra? Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh,
0: he, oh, cool. he played with the Edmonton Symphony at one point. Whoa. It was like four or five years ago.
1: Awesome, uh, which was very very fun. Oh, uh, that I think after Ben Folds, then probably then like the ten p.m. slot would be Badfinger, and then like whenever they wrap up late, then like Waylon Jennings just comes on and does like this midnight. Yeah thing
0: do you prefer candy chips or chocolate chips yeah do you, do you have like a go-to chip can you guys get old dutch out there now i know that those were
1: like hard to find we, at one point we the, they they pop up they pop up every once in a while i haven't had old dutch in a while actually yeah those are good i love any chip all chips all the time <laughs> and i eat way too much chips I I like I like the original Miss Vicky's, just like a very classic. Oh yeah. Um I also really like Doritos. And I really like Ruffles all dressed. Another very Canadian thing to say, <laughs> but those are
0: top 3. Yeah. Uh do you have a social media account that you really love to follow? Something that's uh perhaps a little off the beaten track that brings you some joy.
1: I like um I I uh I only really have Instagram right now. I had Facebook up until a couple years ago and I only have Instagram now and I'm trying to spend less time on on there just like posting or or looking or you know whatever people do on there. Yeah. Uh trying trying to separate myself a bit from it cuz it's very addictive, right? Yes. But but uh, but again, that's a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> but I really like uh, I really like um, illustration, like like artists, like drawing uh, artists. Oh yeah, uh, il- illustrationists, illustrators. There we go. <laughs> uh, illustration artists. I was trying to say, but um, so there've been a couple. Uh, there've been a couple artists that i've really liked um seeing their like drawings and for some reason that's you think of instagram when you think of like photos but it's really nice to to flip through like people's drawings which either if it's if it's uh still life or if it's um portraits or cartoony kind of stuff yeah yeah. i find that so i find it so nice to see in comparison to um to like a lot of the photos that are being posted Uh, do you want specific, um, names? Uh, Oh, no. That's what I, I, uh,
0: I have a, I have a really close friend who's in fine art and I had talked with her about, uh, it's nice when you're in fine art on something like Instagram, because when you post stuff, you're not like, if you're in music, you make a post to promote the music versus when you're in fine art, you just the post is the art and you can just kind of share it really right. directly
1: like that. Right. Whoa. That's so, they should be studying that in art school. <laughs> that th- That's so true. I hadn't thought of that. Cause when, yeah, if you're in music or theater or something, then you need a piece of art to, to tell the, you need the picture to, that says your thousand words you're trying to say, but in art you can just, yeah. Post the fine art. That's uh that's very that's very cool.
0: Uh is there an album that spurred your love of music?
1: An album that spurred my love of music. Lots, lots of albums. Um when uh, the like the the most specific early memories I have of music being music and not just like kids' music or music in the background is that my mom would usually put on a CD when she was making dinner or a tape, a tape or a CD while making dinner. And it was either, it was usually uh, Songs in the Key of Life, Stevie Wonder, or Lyle Lovett uh and his large band that was on tape so like probably so probably one of those two where it's like and it's one of those memory association things where like i smell onions cooking and yeah yeah and hear and hear one of those two albums because it's like dinner's coming so this is a positive (laughs) memory that i should you know lock away somewhere safe so probably one of those or uh Phil Collins Tarzan soundtrack I guess. Oh yeah. That too. Between those three, it's like this is something special. This is music can be made in a full album form that is satisfying as an album and and that where you don't just like one song. Someone's in charge of this thing. This is music from someone's mind or someone's creative um, uh, creations yeah I think yeah so one of one of those <laughs> creative creations <laughs> one of those albums I guess would be would be like yeah or all three if I can do that
0: yeah uh, very last question then for the rapid fire uh, do you have any kind of local uh, shout outs or uh, uh, ba- bands or artists that uh, yeah
1: or your pals that you want to kind of give a shout
0: out to yeah
1: yeah, I mean not I guess not so much local anymore cuz I'm I feel so far away from from Toronto. Yeah. But my my band that I play with or have played with most recently uh it, which is I guess most mostly the case with anyone that plays in a band is all of the members play in five <laughs> other bands as well. For sure, but, yeah. Uh but Matt Bailey uh, who produced or co-produced my the record before this one and mastered the the record that I just did, Turnin. Uh, he he is one of the best producers and guitarists and multi-instrumentalists. He's got a studio, the Immerglock, that, where he records people and he can record remotely and he's so kind and he's got the best ears. I mean, not physically, well, also physically, but he's got the best <laughs> ears of anyone that can hear anything. Uh and so anything that he plays in, he's got a great instrumental group called Staycation, and, and they play this really great uh, glorified elevator music, really, that's just fantastic. And, uh, or I should say just Staycation music. You feel like you're on a beach somewhere <laughs> when you listen to it. Um, Nick McKinley is my, is my drummer. He's fantastic. He plays in, uh, in so many bands, but he plays in Fast Romantics, and they're awesome. Their shows are, are mind-blowing. Uh, he plays in a band called Max, which is also another mind-blowing group. You go to a show uh, there and, yeah, you know, oh. bound to have fun. I,
0: I opened for Fast Romantics when they were in Edmonton. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
1: Right on. Yeah. It's like for, for, like, they're a big group, obviously, lots of members, but I've never felt such a, like, a big, small show in a way. Yeah, yeah. Like, they they can really make a small or small medium to small room feel like a stadium. It's really cool. Yeah, okay. yeah. They were uh, a lot of fun to see. Um, yeah. Uh, perfect. Well, let's kind of
0: hop over into the second part of things here then. The not so rapid fire. Because <laughs> we were going so fast before we got a we were going, down.
1: We were just... Whoa. <laughs>
0: So uh I guess uh, right off the bat, like, what's quarantine been looking like for you? like kind of how how has that been going? Uh
1: it's I, I feel very fortunate in in the way that i I feel like a lot of things, a lot of like major life choices are all kind of thanks to. Uh, having to be put in quarantine or, or having to isolate or having to just make make uh, decisions based on living in uh, at the time of a pandemic. Um, yeah, my, my wife and I, uh, back in May, moved out of Toronto, and our car had just broken down, obviously, so we were immediately in the market for another... Uh, vehicle. And so we bought a minivan and we moved to the country. And in November we bought a house and uh, yesterday was the due date of our child that's supposed to come anytime this week now, but isn't here yet.
0: Oh, holy man. Uh,
1: so I feel like we've like made a lot of major uh, moves uh, in the last year. Um, When a lot of other people have been very static or been very um, unable to make the same kind of moves that we've made or decisions that we've made. So I I feel very fortunate. And for someone that has lived in the city uh, for five years, but like, like you said, someone who grew up in a more rural area or a smaller town... I grew up right in the country, in the forest, way far away from anything or anyone, always feeling this that call to go back. Right. Like, since I moved to the city, you get to the city, and it's very exciting, and you, there's lots to see and lots of people and lots to do, and that's great. And then you kind of, it wears off a little bit. And you feel like, well, maybe the city would be a nice place to visit, but I kind of want to be back in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> Um so so, as someone who's living in the city and someone whose work was in the city as an actor and a musician, I felt like I needed to be there. It was kind of liberating to be told that I can't be there in a way right well, I mean you can still be in the city, but you can't go to work, you can't play shows, you can't um you know be in movies at least at, in at first or you can't do theater. So to have that permission to leave in a way right. was really really great and really fortunate, I think I, I feel very lucky to to like have, have had the opportunity because I'm afraid I might not have left yet if the pandemic hadn't happened.
0: Yeah. Well I guess at a certain point you just realized that um because of the pandemic, all of the things that are great about living in a city sometimes or uh, suddenly become uh, like risks, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, going out and seeing people and having tons of people around that, you know, that you can see all the time and and all of those things suddenly become like dangerous in some way. And you also, (laughs) I think, I I mean, I guess realize that uh, they're, they're far from necessary, I guess, in a lot of cases.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was, the the night before the state of emergency was called in Ontario, the which was I think March sixteenth or seventeenth, the night before I was playing a show and it like checked all the boxes of immediately what would be such a nightmare today. <laughs> yeah. It was at it was at the hole in the wall in Toronto in the junction, which is exactly as it sounds, a very small place. Yeah. And it was absolutely packed on like a Monday or Tuesday night. Like people so close together, like having to squeeze by people. Like the bar is most of the of the actual um, room. Yeah. And so like the bar stools are so cramped and you got to like, excuse me, pardon me, all the way through the bar to get to the stage or to get to the bathroom. I'm pretty sure like I shared beers with multiple people. And which, like you know, and like talking this close to strangers that like are complimenting your music or whatever they're saying, you know, they meeting people, they say, "Oh, you're so great," or this, or like you know, yeah, can you play this song or whatever? And like you're like less than a foot away, like talking right face to face with them, and everybody's just yelling. Of, <laughs> everyone's yelling over the over the music, and like I think we were, I think we were think we were thinking enough to bring our own microphones <laughs> but not like we were like okay but like this 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 COVID things probably like we should take it seriously we should still do the show but we should use our own microphones so i brought my own microphone i was singing into and yet i was still like yeah sipping from from my friend's beer and talking you know god yeah <laughs> so close to, to uh i i know uh i had a party
0: uh, like a St. Patrick's day thing because we all awesome. kind of realized we were watching like how shows get canceled and stuff. And it was like, <laughs> Oh, we're all, it's only going to be like 10 or 15 people. Like It's not going to be that big of a deal. Um, right. Yeah. And I, boy, I felt really bad about it afterwards and nobody got sick. Everybody was like, okay. But it was, yeah. it was very much like a, a last hurrah kind of deal. Yeah. Get it out of your system. <laughs> Yeah. As best you can, I guess. Um, so, so you, you grew up on like a, like a,
1: like acreage type deal or is it like, I grew up, uh, on, on 88 acres of mostly forest and swamp, uh, in Bishop's Mills, Ontario, which is just about 45 minutes away from where I am right now. Um, it's, and my parents still live there and, and they built a house there, uh, uh, before they had kids or when they only had two kids, I should say. Um, so it's a, it's a really nice, pl- I'm, I'm again, so lucky to be able to like still have that connection to that place yeah. and be able to still go there and walk through the forest there and, and be in the backyard there. It's very secluded. It's very, we're, we're right across from a dairy farm, pretty much right across from a dairy farm and then still like a mile into the closest town. Which is not I mean it's a very small town of like a hundred people where there's just an all-way stop. Um, and then it's like 15 minutes when I went to high school, it was like a, a 20 minute 15 or 20 minute drive into Kempville, which was the nearest: Gotcha um, town. Yeah.
0: So when did you start like playing and uh, like writing tunes?:
1: I started writing when I was about 13, I think and uh i started playing not long after that maybe grade 10 or something and there there was a great uh local restaurant bar called the branch which was uh a an amazing texas grill organic texas grill like the best burgers the best steaks yeah uh, you've you've ever had Uh, and the owner Bruce Enlow and Chef uh, was uh, also very much supportive of local music and bands and would get people uh, would get people in from Ottawa and there's so much great music coming out of Ottawa he'd get bands from Ottawa he'd get bands from all over the country to come and play this little room yeah which was which was really great and and you could only fit like I I don't know maybe 50 people in in the restaurant and people would come and they would eat dinner and listen to music. He'd have he'd have matinees, he'd have like a he'd not a not a brunch, but I guess he'd have like a I mean he would have brunch and he'd have music. Uh and he'd have music in the afternoon. So he was I was very lucky to have him um <clears throat> have me play one night i had a show there yeah uh when i when i made my first cd when i think i was 14 or something 14 or 15 i i had a like a cd release party and yeah and uh and he, and he hosted it and then from then on that's where that was my like the go-to place where i would book a show yeah. a couple times a year
0: did did you have a group of people that you were playing with
1: or was it just you it was me uh or I would play with my siblings, uh, uh, my three older brothers, and then my younger sister, uh, and and we all play and and sing uh, together, or we did, uh, and have recently started to play and sing together again since yeah. we've all been back, sort of in the same area, which is really nice. Um, so they would usually be my backup band. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my brother, my brother Lee, would plays piano and guitar, and bass. My brother Carrie plays bass and guitar, my brother Theo plays drums and guitar. Uh my sister plays piano and guitar and sings and, and uh so it was a usually a rotating uh a rotating group of of a backup band, which I was very lucky to have.
0: Yeah. Did did you all do like the, the family band thing growing up? Was that
1: like the Von Trapps?
2: <laughs> yeah Not so much.
0: You know, uh part of the reason i ask i guess is uh i absolutely did do the family band thing growing up my awesome my parents are both music teachers and so okay it was uh (laughs) yeah very much when i was like 10 years old uh, It was like well your brother plays guitar your dad plays bass your mom plays piano so you're gonna learn to play drums and uh and yeah, we used to, we would have like a, like a St. Patrick's Day party and we'd get together and learn like three sets of Irish music. Whoa. And yeah, it was a, a very weird way to awesome.
1: start playing in, uh, playing in public. <laughs> that's great. I think, I mean, I think that's great. I think a lot of people would, would kill to have that, uh, to have like, it's kind of like required reading in a way, like you're kind of forced into being in a band.
0: Well, yeah, Which is, and, and so much of my repertoire of like just any type of music comes from those experiences. Like, uh, obviously, yeah, a ton of like old Irish folk tunes and stuff. And then, yeah, I did like Christmas parties or like Valentine's Day. You learn like three
1: sets of love songs. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. So you, so you, so you would have like different themes. Yeah. You'd have, like, St. Paddy's Day, you'd have a Christmas, and you'd have a Valentine's Day.
0: Yeah, it all, it all started with St. Paddy's Day because uh, there's some, yeah, Irish ancestry going on. Yeah. Um But, yeah, and then kind of branched out into other things. And then at a certain point, you learn that you can play Fairy Tale of New York at St. Patrick's Day, at Valentine's Day, at Christmas.
2: Works nice. for all of them.
1: Nice. We, uh... We, um, so two of the three of my brothers that were, uh, living in this area, um, oh gosh, what was it when I, I guess it was in the late high school, maybe grade 12, uh, and they lived in the Gananoque area, which is, uh, which is where sort of we're at right now in the Thousand Islands area of Ontario. Um, and there, there's a restaurant called the Old English Pub and they would have also music. And it's just it's so funny because like I knew uh I'd I'd seen bands in stadiums or big theaters in high school. I'd gone to see uh you know, I'd gone to see big bands uh but and yet this like a restaurant was like the big time. Yeah. Like at the time, like playing at a bar that didn't have a stage, like they move a table. Yeah. So you can set up on the carpet over there. Like that was like, you've made it still at that time. It was like, this, there's nothing, there's nothing better than this. You know, I'm playing for, for like tips in a jar. This is the big time. Yeah. Even though I knew, even though I knew like (laughs) people paid tickets to (laughs) go see actual bands. Yeah.
0: Well yeah, for us like I had a band in high school, it was like a huge deal when we had a gig at the Legion. And that was like Oh yeah.
1: Whoa. Well, they had a stage, right?
0: They probably had a stage. Oh, are, well, yeah, I guess actually they did. The basement had a stage <laughs> and the upstairs did not. But uh, That's that is the big time. <laughs> so, uh did you like was leaving high school then kind of uh what precipitated moving into the city like into Toronto or
1: uh, after high school I went to Bishops University in in Lennoxville, Quebec. Okay and I studied theater there for three and a half years and um, I don't know why I didn't study music. I was never really good at the theory side of music like reading music. I was never really good at that and and I th- and I think I went in. Uh, with the plan or with the hope of being a a theater teacher, like a drama teacher or something in high school. Okay, yeah. I think I probably thought I might do that. Uh, And so after Bishops, then I moved to Toronto and I was actually in a play there over the summer. And then the next summer I was in another play with people that I'd met the last summer. And so that kind of, again, like the family band, I was kind of like, nudged into it or forced into like an, a new group of yeah. people and then once i was there doing doing theater then it was like then i could sort of take some of the music that i'd started to write in high school and sort of write some more and yeah meet some theater people that were also music people and and record with them and play with them so it wasn't until yeah after after university i moved to the city
0: yeah, so uh, let's uh, let's chat about the the new record then a little bit. It, it came out November twenty twenty, right? I'm not crazy.
1: It it uh, it has sort of two two release days. Gotcha. It had a it had a soft release in June uh, twenty nineteen. Okay. That was a very brief. That was an online sort of a sneak peek release. Uh, that then when it was, when, when it got picked up by, uh, we are busy bodies, Eric Warner's label, uh, it then got pulled, uh, I guess the beginning of 2020 or end of 2019. Gotcha. So it was only, it was only sort of online for a few months or for six months or something. And then when it was going to be released on vinyl, uh, then it got sort of a re-release. So. November 2020 is the proper gotcha proper release did
0: anything change about it or just kind of got mastered or
1: something like
0: that I would
1: it yeah it got it got a proper master for vinyl gotcha um, it was mastered for digital because when it when I recorded it the intention was for it to be uh, very um, rough in a way like very uh, I'd recorded it very casually, very quickly. I recorded the whole thing in in less than two months, or may- maybe even just within a month of just like playing around with this tape machine that I got from from my grandma. Yeah. Uh, so it was very much uh, ha- having this tape machine sitting like this big monolith on the desk was very easy to just like press play and then record, whereas I mean, maybe I'm just lazy, but it's a lot easier than, like, opening a program on a computer and, like, having to set up, you know, your interface and your... Yeah. Whereas this thing is just, like, you press record, and if it sounds terrible, you can't really do anything about it. So you might as well play something. So I recorded the whole thing kind of like that, uh, expecting that maybe it would be demos for an album that I would, like, work more on later. And then as I started to work on these demos, I kind of started to just like the sound of, of them, and I started to add more stuff to them and mix certain tracks down and add more tracks, and I started to get used to the machine a bit more and and y- use the machine as an instrument as people that are using these things start to discover how to do. And But it was all very casual and all very, very playful and, and very quick, and so it was mastered uh just to be put up on bandcamp basically by Matt Bailey. And uh and it was and 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 that was it and I didn't really think much more of it. I put it out right before I got married. It was like two weeks before my wedding. Yeah. And just like just like put it out and said, okay, great, it's done, onto the next thing. And then people really liked it. Maybe because it was it maybe because it's they can tell that it's just uh that it was very like an easygoing kind of record. Maybe it's full of mistakes and full of (laughs) all sorts of crazy stuff.
0: Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, for me, at least like I found it just, uh, there's a musician in Calgary named Doug Hoyer who had uh, tweeted something about it. And, uh, thanks Doug. Yeah. Thanks Doug. (laughs) Um, uh, and And there's something to me, just right from that very first track, where uh, it's I mean a combination of the tape and the songwriting, but it sounds really timeless, right? Like it sounds like stuff that you've like it's uh, a good way of putting it. I think uh, one of the qualities of pop music in like the broadest sense, like popular music, is that it's music that sounds like it has always existed, if if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, cool yeah and uh yeah there's a real quality uh quality like that across the whole record um wow thank you i, I don't i guess this isn't really a question but uh nice work <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you <laughs> thank you very much thank you i i appreciate it it's uh, just 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 off of that yeah i mean it uh, it uh it some of the songs felt like that in writing them too where they felt like Like, I I don't think I took very long to write any of those songs because they just kind of, some of them felt like they were already, they already existed. Right. Which some songs I've taken years to finish. And then a lot of these just like, oh, that was easy. Maybe, maybe, maybe I've, maybe I uh, plagiarized the whole thing. Maybe these do exist already somewhere. (laughs) uh out of curiosity then too in in terms of like
0: learning to use the tape machine being kind of like a, a fundamental part of the way that this album got put together what was the first track you kind of sat down with and worked on then in that way what was the one where you kind of uh figured it out i guess
1: oh uh, i didn't i don't think i figured it out until the last track i recorded <laughs> Which was the title track, Turnin'. Gotcha. That was the last one I did, the last song I recorded, and I think I like finally figured out uh, any kind of like gain staging or or like I finally plugged like my little mixer, plugged instruments into the mixer first and then into the machine. Right. Because it was just packed away, and I, again, I just like. I was making this thing for fun. I would just like plug my electric guitar right into the tape machine. Yeah. And uh, and so when you say figured it out, I, I don't think I really knew what I was doing at all until the last track. But the first track, with uh, apart from that, the turn in track, I tend to work from the beginning to the end. And even if I don't have even if i don't have uh, a f- a song fully written the first song that i will that i'll write tends to usually be the first track of the album right so i wrote lucky me first which is the first song and i'd written that a uh, started writing it a few years before like sort of the melody and things and then the lyrics came very quickly and then once that was, song was done, it's kind of like, well, what what do I hear next? And then it was like right into Square Eyes was like what needed to happen next sort of thing. And then it was like track two. Right. And then, okay, what's next? And then track three. And so that's kind of how I wrote most of the album with exceptions, of course. But that's generally how it was like, okay, what's what should happen now? Okay, it'll be this kind of song. Yeah. I feel like that's that's pretty unusual for the most part like
0: uh it's it's a it's a novel way i think of putting together a record
1: in some ways i guess so maybe (laughs) i don't know (laughs) that's how i've done that's how i've done a lot of writing is like what's either logical or what would be illogical or or what what's like being called for right now or something um yeah well yeah it makes sense then that
0: like the story of the record is the story of writing the record right like it's
1: yeah uh totally yeah yeah it felt that way and and yeah yeah
2: yeah
0: well uh let's uh let's pivot on to the very kind of last section of things here uh then Uh, do you have a tune that you want to, that you want to kind of highlight and play at the end of the episode? Um,
1: well, uh, the, uh, the, the title track is, uh, is, is good. The first track is also good. Those are the two two songs we've, we've talked about. Um, I say good, but I don't know if they're any good, but, um, either of those, I don't know. What do you like?
0: Let's, uh, let's do Lucky Me. I think. uh uh great yeah that that's the one for me i've just been kind of spinning on repeat for whatever reason uh i like it too (laughs) what uh i i guess were there do you go into writing stuff with an idea of what you want it to be about or do you kind of write music and then figure out what that music kind of is about after
1: I think, I think I mostly write music first. Usually, I'll be playing something on, on the guitar, and it'll be something that opens a door to either a melody or a chord progression. It's like, okay, cool, that's something. And I think, I just listened to, um, the Kinks. We are the Village Green Preservation Society. Is that the full title of: Yeah, it? yeah, so it's, it's the first track of, of that album, and it sort of has this descending chord uh, chord progression. yeah. and I think I was like playing that song, and then that sort of morphed into it, another progression um, and I knew that, that that that's like that's a cool thing it's a very it's a very obvious thing it's a very it's some it's plenty of songs have it yeah um but it feels good you know and there's a reason that so many songs have that for sure yeah, and so many songs can have that and still sound different because you can have a million different melodies on top of a descending uh chord progression so i th- I wrote the music for that one first at least the verses and then, and then it was very obvious. I think that this was going to be a kind of a story song from that because it's like, you're taking a journey of of sorts. Yeah. Um, and so, and I haven't written, I haven't written another song that's like that, that tells a story in that same way that goes through like chapter one, chapter two. I haven't ever really done that before. Um, That's like, here's the start of, you know, that's going to end up where I'm at right now. So let's go back to to how I got here. Yeah. That kind of thing. And I I think I had, I think I had like, there's like three or or more lost verses of that song that I wrote because it would just be way too long. (laughs) And I don't even know where they are, but like, I wrote I wrote a lot of verses to that song. Um because when you're thinking about you know the 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 past few years of your life and everything that you think may have gotten you to where you're at right now, it's usually a lot of different little things. Yeah. So I'd written, you know, a verse about living in a basement with with uh with uh, two two of my good friends in toronto and the basement just like was so cold and so moldy and disgusting and it (laughs) was like this really gross verse that was kind of like okay that doesn't need to be in there because (laughs) no one wants to hear about that uh so that got cut yeah Uh, but for the most part yeah it was just sort of it was very easy because it was like okay what what happened next do you do a lot of like editing
0: typically like uh, do you kind of sit down with something once you're done and and then You know, fix it, or is it just kind of it comes out, and then
1: you let it be? A little bit of both, I guess. I uh, not usually with lyrics. Sometimes even like placeholder lyrics will become final lyrics. Um, But musically, I think I think I'd spend more time trying to get. The right chord here, or the right note here, or something, and so for for that one, for like editing verses out, it's not something that's not something I usually would do, because it's I'm lucky to get one verse. Usually, when I write a song, it's like okay, good, I have one verse. Do I need a second one? <laughs> do I, I have? Do I really need a second one? And if I need a second one, it's like okay, good. Do, do I? I don't need a bridge, right? I can just do. Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then outro, right? Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) So I don't know. Lyrics lyrics tend to be harder, but with this song, it was, um, yeah, they just sort of, I don't know, came with uh, telling the life story as boring as it might be.
0: Well, uh, perfect. I think we'll uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, you're gonna hear uh, "Lucky Me" by Christo Graham off of a record called Turnin'. You should uh, check out the whole thing. Uh, thanks so much for sitting down with me. That was a, that was
1: a real fun time. Thanks so much for having me, Sean. Thank you. <laughs>
2: Driving back from Halifax met my ride in road made my way with an hour.
0: Inside the Artist Studio is produced by Sean Davis-Newton for the Cups and Cakes Network. The featured track Lucky Me was played with permission from Christo Graham. Thanks to Laundry Week for the use of their song Nothing On My Mind from the Grimpy EP as our intro and outro music. And Inside the Artist Studio is one of the many ways the Cups and Cakes Network highlights Canadian music. Visit our website cupsandcakespod.com to browse our audio, video, and written content. That's cups, the letter N, cakespod.com.